Hello and welcome to Ag PhD Radio on a Farmer Friday here in the Morton studio. We'll be taking your calls and agronomic questions all throughout the show at 844-44-AG-PHD and answering emails that come in to radio at agphd.com. I'm Darren Hefty along with my brother Brian and we have got a pile of emails that have been coming in already. Uh, Brian, got a little bit of wet weather, humid weather outside. You want to start with anything else or you want to dive right into the mailbag? Well, I was just going to say we're we're in such a different area or our conditions, I should say, are so different than a lot of people throughout the rest of the Midwestern United States. I, I mean, we're, we're so dry. I, I just sent something out to some of our people and I said, do you know how, do you realize how dry we are? And this year so far, and this is snow plus rain. So far this year, we've gotten one inch. We're four and a half inches behind normal. So I've had a few people say, my goodness, how are you guys so far along? You're already done planting beans, almost done with alfalfa, uh, corn. We're 60% done in our farm. We could finish easy next week if we wanted to. That's the reason why, because we've had almost no rain in two years. It's just really unusual because a lot of other areas, they're dealing with snow, rain. I just saw there was a whole bunch of hail yesterday, not all that far away from us. And we just haven't had any of that stuff lately. The only thing we've had is wind <laughs> and lots of it. But uh, yeah, it, 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 it every year is a little bit of a challenge. You just never know as a farmer. You're going to be wet. You're going to be dry, cold, hot, windy, not windy. I mean, we just all have to deal with it. Everybody's got their own conditions. And so I just feel fortunate we've been able to plant so far, but you never know. I mean, our crop might turn out to be a disaster because we have no moisture in the soil and we haven't had much moisture, like I say, for almost two years. So anyway, we'll be praying for rain here soon. And then obviously for a lot of these other areas, we're praying for some dry weather so the crop can get in the field. All right, let's get to the Ag PhD mailbag. All right, Brian, got a few more soil tests that came in from our friend Mark over in Wisconsin. And he said, all right, guys, uh, you saw my light ground. Here's my heavier ground, higher CECs. The lab says my P and K are excessive. Some of my base saturation Ks are 10% to 20%. Wonder how you would manage this particular situation and try to uh, extract that excess potassium and other nutrients, or if you would just start building up everything else. Okay, so let's see here. I'm just the base saturations on the back side. Yeah, of the I saw that. It makes it, it makes it much more challenging when they don't. And just as a general statement, I I like seeing everything on one page. I don't care if it's some legal contract, if it's a soil test, whatever it is. It's so much more helpful when everything's all there just in one shot. But anyway, okay, so. I start looking at some of this stuff, and yeah, it does appear that the phosphorus levels are pretty high, but the thing is, they're not high everywhere. So I don't know, are we dealing, is this one field? Is this several fields? What was this, Darren? Several fields. Okay, so anyway, my here's, here's my point, and I say this almost every time we talk about soil tests. There's tremendous variation here. And we, we see that in most fields and with most farmers because I've got as low as, I don't know, two, and I'm looking at all kinds of stuff here, so I apologize that I'm, I'm probably not going to get every last thing, but I'll just put it this way. We got 200 parts per million of phosphorus, which I would call fine. 
not excessive by any means. Uh, that's fine. I, I, I like that. I'm good with that. But, you know, I also don't know what kind of phosphorus test we're talking about. So that's part of what enters into this equation. But anyway, then there's also 500. Well, yeah, you have 500 parts per million of phosphorus. Yep, you're getting awfully high. And 1,000 parts per million on potassium. Yeah, that's uh, that's really high. So one of the things that we talk about all the time here in the show is ratios of phosphorus to copper and phosphorus to zinc. Well, I don't even have copper tests on this, so I'd like to see that, number one. With zinc, if you say, okay, well, I want to get this 10 to 1. Here's just an example of a problem that I see. All right, so we're at 500 parts per million on phosphorus. We can suck that phosphorus out and drop that down to two, 300 parts per million in phosphorus in just a few years. No big deal. But the problem is if you say, well, boy, I want to get my zinc 10 to 1 with that phosphorus, that means I'm going to go 50 parts per million of zinc. Um, it would take your grandkids, I mean, if every year you didn't put on a speck more zinc till your grandkids were farming your ground, you still wouldn't have your zinc low enough to get back down to that 20 if you want your phosphorus long term to be 200. So my point here is you've got to make a decision. When we start looking at some of these ratios, like with zinc and with copper, when it's going to take generations, maybe even hundreds of years to drop copper and zinc levels like a lot, do you really want to raise those levels up that much? Or would you rather have the phosphorus come down more? You got to decide that. That's that. That's you know, just uh, that that that's I in my opinion where your biggest challenge is. But I, uh, I yeah, I would focus on some of the other things. So for example, like boron, when you're half a part per million or one part per million, and you've got enough phosphorus and potassium there to raise a thousand bushels of corn, well, probably better boost that that boron up a little bit. And so, yep, I'm I'm probably not going to worry as much about excesses as I am about the things that are short and kind of go from there. But like I say, the biggest challenge is this zinc and copper deal. How far do you want to push it? Because if you push it all the way where you've got super high phosphorus, um, I don't think you're going to be happy if at some point you decide, you know what, I'm going to I'm going to lower my phosphorus and and I'm not going to put any more on for quite a while. So it's a challenge. Yeah, it's certainly not an easy one, and and uh, do appreciate you asking the questions. It's really neat seeing soil tests from different areas. And if you're listening to the show today, say, man, I don't understand how to read all those soil tests, uh, even for my own farm. It's something we talk about quite often here. We've got a lot of content available online about reading soil tests and looking at each specific nutrient that's on there. Uh, so do take a little bit of time when you can and and look at that. It's it's so worth it for your farm to understand how to do this because fertilizer well it's really expensive it's farmer friday on today's ag phd radio program and our phone lines will be open at 844-44-AG-PHD we'll be right back if one of your spring chores is getting the side dress bar back in shape 360 yield center has a better idea hi i'm greg souder 360 yield center rather than throw more money into bearings and colders Replace him with 360 Y-Drops for your side dress bar. You'll never replace bearings again. You'll get faster, more efficient nitrogen response. In our tests, that gives a six bushel boost. Less maintenance, more corn from 360 Y-Drops. Take a second and listen. You hear that? 
That's the sound of your roots growing where they've never gone before. There are additional nutrients and water in your soil, hidden in tough-to-reach spaces. With MycoApply Endoprime, hyphae attach to the root hairs to reach small areas inaccessible to big roots, even some that are tied up in the soil. Applied in furrow at planting, MycoApply Endoprime uses four, four unique species of mycorrhizal fungi to go where roots can't. Unlock the potential of your corn crop with MycoApply Endoprime, and by nurturing your soil today, you're helping to ensure future harvest will be just as bountiful. For more information, talk to your local retailer or visit valent.com slash endoprime. Always read and follow label instructions. Get tough on resistant weeds. Tough IVC is a selective, contact post-emergent herbicide that synergizes HPBD inhibitors and enhances the effect of atrazine. Tough IVC works fast and can significantly improve the control of weeds such as water hemp, palmer, and kochia today and help prevent the selection of herbicide resistance tomorrow. Tough IVC is in stock and ready to ship. Ask your local retailer about Tough IVC or visit BelgiumUSA.com. Always read and follow label instructions. Farmer Friday on Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us today. Our phone lines are open here in the Morton studio at 844-44-AG-PHD. Let's head to those phone lines. Got our friend Tony Wendler on right now with Farm Shop MFG. Tony, how's it going down there? I hear Iowa is a little bit behind schedule on planting. Yeah, that would be an understatement. We're a lot behind schedule. The... Um you know, we're we're getting rains right along. There are a, a couple of guys did some planting on Wednesday uh, before we got rained out again. And uh, that's about the only thing that's happened here. The uh, Nobody's getting much done. Uh, we uh, was talking about getting some fertilizer applied to my ground, and I was talking to the guy, and he said, this is day one, and uh, that was on Tuesday. So that was, they were looking at it as day one of their season. So things are going slow. Yeah, no kidding. Are you guys a little bit ahead in South Dakota? Well, right where we're at, we're pretty dry, but I, I would say most people in our area would say we're behind, but we're about right on pace on our farm at this point anyway. We'll we'll see how much rain we get and how long we're out of the field and that kind of thing, but we're awfully dry right now, so we can we can take a little moisture. It'll soak in. Hey, a question I got for you, though, Tony. Uh, there, there are some guys here trying to treat soybeans, and they said the beans were sweating. And we got into a discussion about warming up grain in your bins and these kinds of things. Man, that grain is worth so much money. What are you advising guys right now? What what should they be doing? We've had some days where the humidity has been really high. Um, yeah, especially if you've got cold grain and you're, uh, you're warming it up, uh, you're going to get some sweating onto it with a higher moisture. The uh, I really don't... You talk about beans. Uh, I really do not like running a lot of uh, real high moisture, especially if they're cold, uh, unless we're adding some moisture. Maybe that'd probably really pick it up quick. If you've got outside humidities that are in the um, 80s, especially mid-80s and above, don't run your fans. And uh, it's, you're going to put too much moisture in that bin. Cold, it's going to sweat onto the seed. If you've got the uh, air that is equal to what the bin is, is stored at, 
you're not going to do that so much, but you need to warm the grain up. Uh, stay within uh, a few degrees, 5, 10 degrees of whatever the average outside temperature is, is kind of the best rule of thumb. And uh, bring the temperature of that grain up, and then you're not going to see the sweating on it. The Also, you can get some things where uh, if you're uh, – we've had cold this winter, and your outside skins, if you've not been running your fans occasionally – your outside skins can be really cold on those bins. You know, in uh, a few feet, you could be dealing with some uh, some grain there that's still, you know, sub uh, sub freezing, zero things yeah. like that. Yep, very. You're gonna have moisture migration in that bin is gonna go out and put frost onto that. It's a bad deal. Yeah, it is. It's so, it's certainly something you got to use your head with this spring. And uh, for for those of you who are still holding on to some grain. Uh, take heed. Tony knows what he's talking about. He's the guy that gets called on these things when there's problems, and, uh, and and he knows how to get around them, so we really appreciate that. Hey, Tony, one last thing I wanted to ask you about is just some of these guys uh, that are in wetter conditions that are just itching to get out there in the field. As soon as fields are just barely fit, they're, they're going to want to get going because they're behind. Uh, talk to us about the Germinator closing wheel just for a little bit here. Do you do anything different when conditions are just barely fit to plant? Uh, barely fit to plant. If you've got, uh, when, I, when you say barely fit, I'm thinking about uh, dirt sticking onto my gauge wheels. Uh, it's going to stick onto the closing wheels, things like that. I, I never like those conditions. If you can get a little bit past that, um, a, a performance closing wheel like our Germinator with the spikes is going to be very important this year. Destroy that sidewall, firm the soil back to the seed. The uh, I'm, I'm thinking right now with the weather conditions we're seeing here in Iowa, uh, this is an opportunity for people to uh, get that done before it's too late. And uh, we've got inventory yet. The um, it's There's a wide variety of things we're going to see this year that the germinator is going to have an impact. Like you're talking, the wet conditions, sidewall smear, destroying the sidewall, uh, dry conditions, Firming that, making that firm seed zone and firming it to the moisture below. Uh, hey, and just normal conditions. They, they work really good in just normal conditions. Yeah. Um, lots of opportunities this year to enhance what people are doing. Yeah, no doubt about that. We're talking with Tony Wendler here. You can find out more details at farmshopmfg.com. Tony, thank you so much. Good luck to you guys down there, too. Thanks. Have a great weekend. You, too. Let's head uh, up to another area that needs a little bit of luck. we got Darren with us up in southern North Dakota. Darren, man, conditions tough up there. I've seen some pictures from your area. It looks like it's quite a challenge right now. Have you gotten to do anything in the field, or it's just been snow and, and wet all the way through? Yeah, I know. Uh, we have not turned a wheel at all. And uh, as, of this, as of right now, we've had an inch of rain since this morning. And, uh, man, I don't think we're going to be in for at minimum 10 days, maybe 14. So it's been, uh, it's a little, it's a little gloomy outside. That's for sure. No, everybody in the markets is looking at North Dakota saying, oh my goodness, that's millions of acres that are going to move one way or the other. What's your thought at this point? Is your thought, Hey, if I can get in in a couple of weeks and get rolling here, I'm going to go with plan A. Or are you already making some changes? No, we're still sticking with plan A, but uh, depending on how much rain we get this weekend, um, I'm going to start looking at plan B, which is to start moving some of my probably 
you know, 90 to 93 day corn down into something a little bit lower maturity. Uh, I have some one old beans that I'll probably um, move down into like the old six oh seven uh, maturity. But uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens this weekend with rain first before I start making any moves next week. Sure, sure. Uh, yeah, it's it's gonna be uh, gonna be interesting to see how this weather plays out. And I think a lot of people around the country are watching what's happening in North Dakota just because of how many how many acres are involved. The other thing is, boy, to the western part of the state, a lot of power issues and power poles down. My goodness, there's there's a lot of changes. How about your area? Is, is everything okay once the water goes down and soaks in? Um. Well, here's the thing: when we had two inches last weekend, and only about the top maybe six inches was thawed out and then and then it we still have frost in the ground and so a lot of water ran off uh to the sloughs low areas um the river in my hometown is flooding and now with this rain it's probably going to go up another couple feet and 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 of course then over the weekend it got really cold and and we're still not thawed out all the way so the rain isn't even really soaking in a lot it's once we get to a few quarters of an inch to an inch, it's it's running off, which stinks. But I guess that's what happens. Yeah. But yeah. The, the western part of the state, man, they've had two and a half to four feet of snow in the last twenty days, which they need the moisture. But I, I think they probably would have preferred to have it in the liquid form rather than the frozen. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt about that. Oh. Well, it's yeah. it's just a whole different thing, and and I know for some of our listeners, they don't get it. They don't understand what, exactly what North Dakota is facing. And of course, you got neighbors to the yeah. north that are that are facing a lot of the same challenges. We look forward to talking to some folks across the border too today, just to hear what's happening up there. So at this point, uh, still going to be corn and beans. Are you looking at any other crops? Is there anything else that you said? Hey, this year we get an opportunity to do something different. Well, yeah. So actually, you know, historically we're about a, a on our farm, we raise about 50% soybeans. And then um, the remaining half is usually about two thirds corn and one third spring wheat. And we're going to raise a little bit of barley this year. And we're also going to try some edible beans uh, for the first time in the farm history. So we're going to throw our hat in those two arenas a little bit. Uh, I mean, old crop barley prices are seven and a half dollars and I see that the Canadian the Canadian acres are going to be down 10 percent from last year and so we figure out we'll we'll put some barley on some of these fields that are a little bit more that we haven't been able to tile so it's a little bit higher in salt and so we're going to put uh, barley on there and and it, it grows a lot better than any of the other crops we farm. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how it turns out with uh, with barley and the edible beans. That, that would be a fun thing. Well, Darren, uh, we're all thinking about you guys up in North Dakota. Hopefully it dries out and warms up soon. And I and hope you guys get some rain. Yes, we'll take a little bit of that moisture too. Uh, thank you so much. Really appreciate having you on. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. What can we do for you? Yeah, I'm looking for some nitrogen. All right, we're running low and it's awful pricey, but uh, let me check. Hold. The answer to low supply and high prices for nitrogen is Invita, a microbe with systemic nitrogen fixation. Invita works throughout the foliage and roots, providing a right place, right time source of nitrogen to maximize yield in corn, wheat, and soybeans. Yeah, we're all out, but... You know what? I'll take some of that Invita. <laughs> That's what I was going to recommend. Book your Invita while supplies last. 
Here at Farm Shop MFG, we keep hearing from folks who've tried our germinators. Yeah, I'm Wayne Bossman from down here by Park, South Dakota, and I was very impressed how they came up quicker, and they're just going to look like a better stand, and just greener, and just a little taller all, all year, as dry as it was. I think they really made a difference. Really looking forward to using them this year. See more of what our fans are saying and order today for spring delivery at farmshopmfg.com. Come to the Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships event this summer. Here at Ag PhD, we're always looking for ways to support and encourage folks entering the ag industry. That's why we're devoting a full day, Saturday, June 25th, to the free Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships event. Though this day is geared towards high school and college students as well as young farmers, anyone with a desire to learn more about agronomy is more than welcome. Our hands-on sessions in the field will include a comprehensive guide to scouting, ways to improve soil and crop health, the role of natural microbes in farming, and how to best collect and manage on-farm data. Plus, we're giving away tens of thousands of dollars in scholarships to eligible attendees. So whether you're a college student or just want some good agronomy information, this is one event you won't want to miss. It's the Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships Day, Saturday, June 25th on the Hefty Farm near Baltic, South Dakota. Learn more and register at agphd.com. There are a lot of choices for closing systems in the market. 360 Wave has been topping them all on side-by-sides. More plants and ears, more bushels. They're in stock and ready to ship from 360. Most closing systems attempt to close from the top down. Wave closes from the bottom up, rolling moist soil over the seed, plus puts starter fertilizer in the sweet spot. There is still time to upgrade your closing system with 360 Wave. Learn more at 360yieldcenter.com. Whether or not, relentless control is what you get with Anthem Max Herbicide from FMC. Protect your season from tough broadleaf weeds and grasses with dual modes of action and overlapping residuals that also minimize resistance. With an easy-to-tank mix formulation and wide application window, Anthem Max Herbicide is ready when you are. Visit your FMC retailer or ag.fmc.com to learn more. Always read and follow all label directions. Farmer Friday on Ag PhD Radio, and our phone lines are open here in the Morton studio at 844-44-AG-PHD. Let's head north of the border. We've got our friend Riley uh, up in Manitoba. Riley, I was just talking about you today, and I, I was talking to Glenn. I said, have you talked to Riley lately? Because, man, if we're flooding on this side of the border, I can only imagine what you're going to have to face for a while there. Yeah, things things are definitely getting interesting. They uh I'm in Morris, Manitoba, so 20 minutes north of the border, and they've made preparations to close the 75, which is our version of the I-29. So we're we're preparing for it. It's supposed to be coming. Like I have about three, four hundred acres underwater right now, but no no major roads have been closed yet. Yeah, it doesn't doesn't look like fun times for a little bit here. Did you get anything in the ground ahead of this, or has it just been too wet? Uh, been too wet and too many snowstorms. The snow actually just melted here this week for the third time. I tell everybody. <laughs> wow, wow, yeah, that's tough. Okay, so uh, I was just talking to Darren down in North Dakota, and he said they are still on Plan A, but knowing that it's going to be at least a couple weeks further out in there, they're already talking about Plan B. Um, what do you? I guess where are you at in this whole planning process for this year? Um, 
for me, it's interesting. We plan right up until the planter goes to the field when the air seeder goes to the field. Um, we we grow a lot of diverse. Well, we grow about five, six crops here, so we can we can change acres around as long as there's seed available right up until we go to the field. So there's been some movement since probably February. We've probably changed the plan four or five times. Um, we put some weed in and took some soybeans out just because of harvesting and stuff like that here last week, some spring wheat we put in. And then uh, I shortened up my corn varieties or hybrids, almost all of them. Normally we grow a range between 72 day to 85 day. And I pulled out almost all my 81 day plus. I kept uh, 15 bags just to see what it will do. But everything else is in the mid seventies now for maturity date. Yeah, I just wonder. There's, I, I think there's going to be a pretty good run on the earlier stuff. I, I'm certain that's going to sell out as long, provided we can eventually get in there and and it decides to quit raining at some point here. But man, I, I would guess uh, if you just got rid of snow and now here comes flood, that's uh, that ground hasn't had a chance yet to thaw out at all, has it? Well, actually, surprisingly, our frost is out of the ground to three feet. Oh, wow. So we got good snow cover early last year, and we hardly even froze past three feet this year. Interesting. So we're actually sitting in very good shape frost-wise. And also, when the ground is as dry as it was, it's easier for that frost line to move, because when you got right, warm-up right. water it takes much longer for it to warm up. So yep. we're, we're actually sitting in a pretty good position frost wise here. I think as soon as the, as soon as it dries up, we'll be ready to go. And I'm thinking maybe two weeks still. Okay. Okay. Well, Depending that's, uh, that's before the water takes off. That's, that's more optimistic than I was. So I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> All right. Uh, so other, <laughs> other than talking about water and flooding and snow and rain and everything, uh, I guess what, what's on your mind right now? What, I guess, what are you kind of excited about here? So, um, yeah, we're just getting, getting seed home and I sent some, uh, sent some seed off to get cold germ tests done here last week. So waiting to hear back on those results. And then, uh, also going through all my trials that we're doing and trying to build a bit of a spreadsheet to uh, to figure out what what's going to go where and how we're gonna how we're gonna manage it all. I've hooked up with uh, with the Extreme Ag guys a little bit, so I'm doing some trials for them on their affiliate program, and then also with Agro Liquid, I'm doing a bunch of starter trials and some foliar trials for them. So it's uh, it's going to be a lot to handle, but it's going to be fun doing it. Yeah, especially when the the crop plans are are a little bit fluid yet at this point. But you know, if you're if you're truly two weeks away from being able to get started, at least on some of the ground, that's exciting because uh, you can you can pretty much count on that. If you're getting it in in May, you can still do a lot of different things. Exactly. Like we'll plant corn till the twentieth of May. At that point is kind of when I pull the pin and start switching to other crops, and. Everything else I'll plant right up until the 20th of June is when our crop insurance, well, soybeans we have till the 3rd of June and everything else we can go till the 20th. Okay. So, so we still we got a have, pretty good window. We have some room. Yeah. Sure. Sure. Exactly. Well, Riley, good talking to you. Glad you're still optimistic here and, and things are uh, maybe a little bit better than some of the pictures that are getting painted, but still, still uh, got a couple weeks, uh, not as much fun to get through. 
Exactly. It always could be worse. As long as you remember <laughs> that, you'll have fun. You bet. Well, Riley, good luck to you guys up there, and uh, and thanks for being on the show today. Thank you. Have a good day. Let's head over to Eastern Iowa. We got Larry on with us right now. Larry, how you doing? I'm pretty good, Darren. How about you? You know, not doing too bad. Can't really complain over here. Uh, um, I, I, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, uh, what you want to talk a little about rootworm and insecticide? Yeah, three things. And I'll, I'll rattle them off, and I want to hear what you got to say. Um, I live within a dairy, uh, an hour of a excuse me, I'm getting fast, within a mile of a dairy who has 600 acres of continuous corn, and I'm told they've got a rootworm problem. I am on a corn bean rotation using uh, triple stack corn. Should I protect myself more? Should I be worried what I ought to be doing about that situation? Uh, number two, when we got our private license renewed, the lady told us do not use BT corn and insecticide both. Use one or the other. And I know people that do use both. The number three was there used to be a product where the company gave you lids for your insecticide boxes and you bought their product and the box locked on there. What was that and do they still do it? Okay, Larry, this is Brian, and I'll answer all your questions here. So oh, first I'm of sorry. all, no, no problem. No, that's okay, Larry. No, I'm, was, I'm here, too. I uh, was talking before, that was but, Darren, but Brian I, got all excited. As I soon did. as you started talking rootworms, he exactly. grabbed his mic, and he's like, I'm taking over. <laughs> right. Okay, and, and let me tell you, part of the reason why, Larry, is we had some of the, well, the first confirmed rootworm resistance in the world that we know of happened in our section right here where we farm. It was fortunately on a neighbor's ground, not ours. But anyway, so we've been dealing with this for 10 years now with resistance. As far as that advice about don't use BT and insecticide, um, I, I, I'll just as nicely as I can say this, say make sure you do use the BT plus insecticide, and I'll let it go with that, okay? The whole thing is it's the same thing with weed resistance. With insect resistance, a dead bug can't become resistant. So that's why we always want to use multiple modes of action whenever possible, whether we're talking killing bugs or killing weeds. So I would say, like on our farm, for example, we, we've been doing this for 15 years now, using both the BT and the insecticide, and we don't have any issues. But that's the reason why we don't have any issues. Okay, in terms of the lids, that was AMVAC, and they've got smart boxes. So you can still talk to AMVAC. They have a bunch of different insecticides, and they have smart box systems that you can get help paying. They'll, they'll help you pay for those. In terms of the triple stack corn and do you need to worry because the dairy's next to you, yeah, I do think you need to worry because th this is also something that we started seeing clear back uh, almost 15 years ago now where if you're in an area where even though you're rotating but none of your neighbors are, well, guess what? Some of those bugs are moving over. They don't typically move far, but they can move a field or two. And so I, I would be concerned about that. And, and here's the last point that I would make on that. We have $7 corn now. We just looked at for our farm this fall, if we harvest early and like for our silage stuff, it's $7.50 locally. And I was just talking to one of our guys and I said, okay, if we even get 240 bushel corn, which I'm hoping for more, 
think about the dollars I've got at stake. I just told him, I don't care if it's $100 extra I got to spend this year to make sure I have a good crop. I'm spending it because we have the chance to make the most money we've ever made on our farm if we just get a good crop. And I know that rootworms are a problem in my area, so we're doing both. We're using the BT and using insecticide, and that would probably be my advice for you because I would be concerned about it. Okay. Are, are, are you interested in a crop report from down here? Yeah, we are. Uh, I'll tell you what, Larry, we got to go to a quick commercial break. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. It's smart to make the right agronomic choices, and it's even smarter to get rewarded for them. With the Bayer Plus Rewards Program, you earn cash back on seed, herbicides, and other eligible products. And it keeps getting smarter, because now you can earn an additional 10% bonus when you send your redemption check to your retailer. To learn more, contact your retailer today. Protect your yields and get the most from your land with Bayer Plus Rewards. Visit MyBayerPlus.com and see program terms and conditions for full details. Introducing Kyber Soybean Herbicide from Corteva AgriScience, the newest Premium Group 15 pre-emergent solution. Kyber delivers three effective modes of action for long-lasting residual activity, meaning your fields won't just be clean, they'll be Kyber clean. And what is Kyber clean? Well, it's a little like... Nice fields! See the difference at kyberherbicide.com soy. That's K-Y-B-E-R herbicide.com soy. What's new from New Farm? Leopard Herbicide brings you exceptional planting flexibility for soybeans, field corn, and cotton. Leopard provides your spray plans with a fall or early spring option to boost resistance management. And did we mention it's a highly compatible tank mix partner due to its ultra-low use rate? Ask your dealer for Leopard Herbicide. Available for fall. Protect your empire. Rule your fields with dual modes of action. Low use rate Authority Supreme Herbicide from FMC combines Group 14 and Group 15 modes of action for pre-plant and pre-emergence control of key broadleaf weeds and grasses. A preventative application keeps your fields clean when it matters most to crop productivity. Visit your FMC retailer or ag.fmc.com to learn more. Always read and follow all label directions. Precision crop nutrition pays. And AgroLiquid has precisely what it takes to help you succeed. The right products plus the right expertise to give you guidance based on your soils, your fields, and your goals. While our clean, seed-safe formulations and lower application rates make planter fertilizer easier than ever. AgroLiquid. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. The value of your farm building is in its ability to protect what's stored inside. That's why Morton Buildings ensures that every machine storage and insulated workshop we build will provide superior strength and durability. As a 100% employee-owned company, we're all committed to being the industry leader with a focus on innovation, service, quality, and most importantly, customer satisfaction. To get started on your next project, please visit mortonbuildings.com. Welcome back to Ag PhD Radio on a Farmer Friday. I'm Brian Hefty along with my brother Darren. We're live in the Morton studio. 
Just taking your calls and questions. Our number is 844-44-AG-PHD. If you'd like to call in, that's what Larry did from Eastern Iowa. And right before our break, we were just talking a little bit about Larry's concern on rootworm. And uh, Larry, I apologize. We had to had to go to break there, but you said you have a quick crop report for us. What do you got? Um, I would be on Interstate 80 about a mile, or a mile, darn it, an hour east of Des Moines. Okay. Um, not too close to where, or pretty close to where they make the blue planters. <laughs> gotcha. Like you know where that's at. Yep. yep. Um, I've never seen as many early beans planted as I have this year. Really? And most of the guys were grumbling about they wanted to plant beans because they thought it was too cold to plant corn. Yep. And there is a lot of beans in the ground. Um, probably very little corn. Yep. Uh, the big acre guys have been running a lot. Guys like me, I haven't planted a thing. And a year ago at this time, we were done. Okay, so have you not planted because it's been wet or because it's been cold? Uh, cold. Yeah, I figured. I'll just tell you a quick story. And I think I mentioned it once on the radio already here, maybe last week. But I, I think it was Monday last week, and I told our guys, all right, guys, we already waited a whole week. I wanted to start the 10th. We couldn't or didn't. I, I, I waited a week. Okay, let's go. And so the guys call me up and they go, uh, yeah, Brian, we're pulling up ice chunks with the field cultivator. Can we wait an extra day? And I said, fine, I'll let you wait an extra day. <laughs> so we were probably going a little uh, little on the early side when we we're trying to plant into ice. But, uh, yeah, it's it's been really cold up here, too. I, I, I will say, though, the soil temps haven't been terrible. And so we're already done with our soybeans. We planted all our soybeans here this week, and we're about 60% done on corn. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I have found it interesting. A lot of guys are, are in favor of planting early on the soybean side, and I'm fine with it. I just don't want to delay planting corn. That, that gets to be my concern when guys say, well, I'm going to plant all my beans first, and then I'll plant my corn. It's fine if you can be timely, but, you know, we're starting to get late now, and if we get rain for a week or something, then it could get really late. So hopefully your soil will warm up there and you can get get rolling pretty soon. Well, you know, one of the things that's been going on is it seems like we've been having every night's 30 degrees. Yeah. Uh, a couple nights ago it was 25, and then it warms up 65-plus during the day, yeah. and the wind blows all day long and they can't spray. <laughs> Uh, yeah, uh, we, we've been there, Larry. That, that's the reason why we aren't done planting our alfalfa yet. Couldn't get the herbicide on. I'm like, well, we can't, can't plant the alfalfa without the herbicide first. So we're just sitting on that. But yeah, it blows like 30 miles an hour here every day. I assume it's the same thing for it, you, isn't it? It's pretty interesting, yes. <laughs> I hire my spraying done, and that guy's pulling out his hair trying to manage seven sprayers. So. Oh. Yeah, you know, I don't want his job. <laughs> no, but, that's yeah. for sure. And, you know, sometimes guys will spray at night or something. Well, it's been windy overnight, too. So, yeah, this has been a very yeah. challenging spring between the cold and the wind. Well, hey, Larry, thanks uh, a lot for the call. Oh, go ahead. Do you have something else? All right. Thank you. Thank you for listening to me. Oh, yeah. You bet. Call anytime. Thanks a lot. Uh, all right. Take care. You too. Let's head down to Arkansas. we got Jacob on with us right now. Jacob, how are you doing today? All right. How are you not too bad, not too bad. What are conditions like down there? Well, a little warmer than 25 degrees. Uh, <laughs> I checked the soil temperature just a few minutes ago where we just planted some cotton yesterday, and the soil temperature 76 degrees. 
Outstanding. Now, you know, oh, cotton is way more fussy than corn and beans. No doubt about that. Do you have a number that you shoot for with cotton? Do you have a date down the calendar? How do you know it's time to pull the trigger on a crop that really likes it warm? <laughs> uh, my great-grandfather would say when the pecan trees start budding, it's time to plant cotton. But usually where you can get a, a good soil temperature, 60-plus degrees, um, by 9 o'clock or so in the morning, and obviously it's just getting better after that usually got a, a pretty good chance to plant it and see it hopefully and you'd like to see it in three but you'll settle for four days is this a year that you plant more cotton or or what are you looking at with the markets right now this is the year we, we planted all the cotton that our picker can stand um we cut back way back on our corn acres uh timing and, and marketing and stuff like that uh, pick up a little bit of rice. The r- local rice market getting pretty hot, and uh, planting, filling in the gaps of soybeans. But you know, when you're looking at, I think the market today was fifteen dollars. You know, you're looking at that something that's not just filling the hole. It's something you want to groom and make sure it does well. Absolutely, absolutely. Hey, talk to us about the fertility bill on cotton, because I think a lot of our listeners would say, "Yeah, I'm cutting back on corn a little bit due to fertility costs." What's it like with cotton? What do you have to do? Uh, P and K is, you know, like, like anything else, obviously you want it to be appropriate to make, uh, a good cotton crop and local, you know, everybody's shooting for 13 to 1500 pounds, uh, if they can do that. So manage that appropriately, uh, on the high side, nitrogen, 120 units. There's some guys that have gotten down as far as 80 units in certain places, but they've also been really timely with, with their application. So, you know, you're looking at a third, give or take, of a, of a nitrogen application as opposed to uh, corn, at least in this area. And most folks around here are probably putting between 220 and 240 units of nitrogen on for corn. Sure, sure. Sure. When you're switching acres around, I guess, are there, are there any concerns with weeds? I know in Arkansas, about every time we talk to growers down there, they're, they're talking about, well, we got resistance to this chemistry or that chemistry. Does cotton offer you some different options or, or what are you thinking about in terms of pigweed and other, other tough ones? It obviously is a, as a totally different, uh, chemistry platform as opposed to corn. Um, and usually where we're planting cotton, we're trying to plant corn there. Um, unless we just need to rotate some soybeans in for a, a different chemistry opportunity. So being able to rotate and have all the chemistry available for corn and then being able to rotate back to cotton and being able to use stuff like Liberty, which is obviously expensive this year, um, or other products like that, other Phenoxy uh, products that, that give you some more latitude. Yeah, it is it is a different platform, no doubt about it, but we've got some some products that people that are listening are pretty familiar with that hey, they this is still working. We just gotta be timely with our applications. And we're talking with Jacob down in Arkansas. Jacob, you've been you've been great. Thank you so much. Really appreciate all the info today and good luck to you guys. Yes, sir. Thank you. Let's head over to Kentucky, got our friend Joel with us right now. Joel, how's it going in Kentucky? You guys rolling over there? Yeah, we're rolling pretty good. I'm I'm proud to say that we got through planting corn today. And, Outstanding! Uh, that Congratulations. Puts a smile on our face. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah big and time. We've already already planted almost 300 acres of single crop beans at the same time, and finishing up spraying them right now. Yep, on the double crop acres, uh, how's the wheat looking? 
I don't think it was hurt any by the cold weather. Uh, not ours, but I don't think any in the neighborhood even was hurt. Uh, it's just now coming to head emergence on the earlier planting, and we'll be scheduled for some fungicide uh, next week. Yeah, that timing is just right where, uh, okay, flag leaves out, heads popping out, critical time for a lot of management. How about fertility and those kinds of things? Uh, I know there's some guys up here that like to feed a little bit of N and, and some other things at that time. How, how about down there? Well, I guess uh, some of your products like, uh, I'm trying to think there was an agro-liquid product that had some N in it that some people would mix in there. And... Uh, what maybe a coron or something a very very light dose of in we we kind of stayed away from that and usually just go ahead and put ours on when we strained it on earlier you bet you bet well that's good news on the corn that that's all in the ground and and uh, hopefully we get some warm weather here to get that stuff growing yeah we've been we've been knocking 80 degrees here the last few days we had another cold spell but it only lasted one night down in the 30s, so uh, finally get get things stabilized here and do some more of this 50 to 80 range and make things grow. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, I was thinking about the wheat and just some of the frost and things that we had in the injury last year. It's good to hear that's, that's doing well because we're going to need that wheat this year. There's no doubt about that. And we're talking with Joel down in Kentucky right now. Joel, thank you so much. Really appreciate having you on. Glad you got the corn in and, and now, uh, now to finish up the beans. Good luck to you guys. All right. See you. Bye. It's Farmer Friday and Ag PhD Radio. We'll be right back after this. Are you worried about nitrogen loss this spring? Well, we asked retailers what they thought about Instinct NextGen Nitrogen Stabilizer from Corteva AgriScience. What they said was so inspiring, we got an actor to reenact it. Ahem. It's a great return on investment. A great return. Investment, investment. Great return. All right, I think I'm ready to record. It's that simple. Instinct NextGen is a great return on investment because it protects your nitrogen. Learn more at protectnitrogen.com. If you've ever wondered how the Farmall got its name, here's an abbreviated list of the jobs the Case IH Farmall can do. Baling, cutting hay, feeding, hauling, loading, pulling, raking, cleaning barn, mixing feed, fertilizing, mowing, chopping, seeding, clearing, irrigating, furrowing, cultivating, hitching, digging, emergency tow, harrowing, hoisting, leading parades, excavating, grading. <sighs> Let's make it simple. This tractor does it all. So no matter what you're doing, can do comes in red. Farmall. Learn more at caseih.com slash farmall. This is Stormy Fields with your weather forecast. Today calls for a high of 68 degrees with sunny skies and not a cloud in sight. Planting windows can close fast, so when you need both speed and accuracy, choose John Deere. Our exact eMERGE planters and precision ag technologies give you precise seed placement for uniform emergence and the efficiency you need to gain ground. See what you have to gain at johndeere.com slash gain ground. Be sure to attend the 2022 Ag PhD Field Day. At this year's Ag PhD Field Day, we'll have way more equipment and equipment demonstrations than we've ever had before. We've got a lot of new technologies we'll put into our research plots on site, and we'll have great family entertainment, including a kid's area, music, fantastic guest speakers, and free food and drinks all throughout the day. Please go to agphd.com to learn more, and don't forget to join us on Thursday, July 28th for the free Ag PhD Field Day. 
Revitech fungicide from BASF has been specifically developed for the selective soybean grower who doesn't compromise. If you think good is good enough, if you're okay with just achieving rather than overachieving, if average is your goal, this is not the fungicide for you. Revitech fungicide, brand new chemistry, three no excuse modes of action, zero modes of compromise. Sounds like the fungicide for you. Revitech fungicide from BASF, that's smart. Always read and follow label directions. Farmers across the country are raving about Germinator closing wheels. Paul from New York says, I'll definitely be using the Germinator wheels again and will be telling everyone I know. For more Germinator success stories, visit farmshopmfg.com. Boost your productivity and profitability with Soil Warrior from environmental tillage systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and your yield potential in just one strip-till pass. Now that's ROI. Contact us today at soilwarrior.com. Thanks for listening today to Ag PhD Radio on a Farmer Friday. We're taking your calls and questions at 844-44-AG-PHD, or you can email us, radio at agphd.com. We're going to jump right back to the phone lines. Got Tony calling in from Missouri. Tony, how are you today? Doing well. You, Brian? Excellent. I hear you got some questions on manure. Yes. Uh, is there optimum time, a wrong time? to apply manure? Well, the biggest thing that we're usually talking about is we don't want to have nutrients get lost before we get to use them. So it, what, I, do you have a specific question here? Like, in other words, are, are we talking about manure you would like to apply today or this fall? Or, or where, where are you really going with this? I did yesterday. I put okay. about 100 ton on yesterday. Okay. I got another 400 ton. Sure. I've been stockpiling it for a long time with fertilizer prices the way they are. I'm not <laughs> going to do that. So yep. Yep. I'm, I'm going natural way. Yeah. So yesterday I put about five ton to the acre on. I had it tested. It was a, like a 20, uh, 15, 7, and I was going with five ton. Yeah, gotcha. So that's only 100 pounds of nitrogen. So would I worry about that if it was me? No, I wouldn't. Uh, do you have heavy soil, light soil? What do you got down there? Uh, pretty heavy. Yeah. Yep. So, no, I'm sure you're going to be just fine. No, our biggest concern on manure is usually for guys that want to start super early in the fall. So let me just give you an example off our own farm. So we've got a dairy that's right next to us, and we'll cut some silage the end of August, first part of September. If the dairy said, you know what, we want to put manure out there the middle of September, and we don't have freeze-up for at least two months, um, I'd be a little concerned that I might lose some of my nitrogen and possibly even a little of my sulfur. Uh, so to counteract that, we might we could put a cover crop on, but I'm just saying if we literally left the ground bare and did nothing, well, then I would be worried because we got all this growing season and we're doing nothing with it. But in the spring or in the late fall, I'm not worried at all. You'll be fine. Okay, good. Uh, and I got two tenths last night of rain. We're about 18 Great. inches for the year already. Oh, wow. So it's, yeah, it's crazy wet down here. So I wanted to do it two months ago and just couldn't. Yeah. It would just crust and dry out enough, and then you had three inches of rain again. So Yeah. 
it, it's just uh, I'm it, just it, getting it, to it a little later. Yeah, it's just crazy how things vary from year to year and area to area. As you said, the 18 inch number. <laughs> the first thing that popped into my mind is I go, oh, he's only 17 inches ahead of me. So we we just have gotten nothing for almost two years. It's just been crazy here. Yeah, 18 inches so far. So. Yeah. All right. Well, hey, uh, Tony, thanks for the call. Appreciate it. Best of luck to you down there. Thank you very much. All right, so back to the phone lines. Get Mark on with us right now with Wisconsin. Oh, we were talking about Mark's, uh, Mark's text, or I'm sorry, Mark's soil tests that we looked at here the last couple of days. And, and uh, Mark, uh, follow-up question here. We we saw some with really low CEC soils, some with high CEC soils. And you're saying some of those light or low CEC soils act like heavy ground. You want to explain? Oh, I'm very confused. I, I mean, the CEC thing, I, I guess I've always kind of, Judging soil has kind of always been an art. So you look at it, well, it looks heavy or it looks light. And then we started running CEC tests on it to see what it actually is. And there'll be a soil that looks like it's a giant kitty litter box. And it comes back with a CEC of seven, which is light but not awful. And then there's this one farm that I just recently picked up called Gilbert's. I believe you maybe have the test in front of you. And when I plant that, it's the fertility is low, the pH is really low. I thought, well, maybe there's something here because even though it's really wet. I have a good landlord and I thought, well, maybe I can drain tile this and it'll turn out to be a pretty decent farm. But when I pull the CEC test, I think it's like two or three. So in theory, that should be just absolute blow sand, but it holds moisture like a clay. Farms I've had with, with soil that to me, look similar. Have taken around eleven tons of lime. Okay, so to get the pH yeah. up. Yep. So, Mark, let me just say this: I, I would, if it, if I was you, here is what I would consider. I would consider taking a sample. I'm not saying a whole bunch of them, but like for this one field that you mentioned, that it says two CEC. I take that exact same spot and sample it again, and I'd send it to like two or three other labs and just see what they have to say. Because I'm with you, if it's a two, it should hold virtually nothing, and it should basically be pure sand and have almost zero organic matter. So that it seems a little fishy to me. So I, I but I, I'm no scientist. I can't comment on that because I, ha- I haven't looked at your soil or anything else for sure. All I can tell you is I'd, I'd probably get somebody else to take a look at it and see if you get a different number from another lab. And if you do, then you might have to run your stuff through that other lab. That that that's about all I can tell you. All right, deeply appreciate it. Yeah, thanks a lot, Mark. 
All right, Brian, uh, get another question. Well, I get a couple of weed control questions here, too. Had this one that came in from Lane. He said, just wondering, what could be added to 2,4-D that would kill buttercup in the pasture? We spray two or three times a year, and uh, it just keeps showing up. Well, a couple things. Uh, the new DuraCore product is is labeled, but you got to run the high rate, and if you do, you get some residual control out of that. Uh, used to use Chaparral as well. Both of those would work, and you could do that with 2,4-D or without. That would be my choice. E- either way, uh, if you really want to use the 2,4-D, you sure can, uh, but but uh, use a good strong rate of those other products as well. Uh, I had this one come in from Chuck. He said, um, my dad's an avid listener of your show, called in one day asking about crabgrass control and corn. Unfortunately, he lost his notes on what you told him. Uh, so what do you think about crabgrass control in corn? And I know, you know, when you think about that, you've got to use the full rate on those group 15s like harness. That's the big thing. Crabgrass is a summer annual. It comes up just a little bit later. So for me, I'd use a full rate of a group 15. Now, post-emerge, if you're in Roundup corn, Roundup tolerant corn, you can spray Roundup. That will kill it. It has no soil residual. Uh, you could use something like Accent Q in conventional corn, but man, you got to catch that crabgrass when it's really small. Uh, and then the other one would be if you used one of the HPPDs along with some atrazine. There's some guys saying they're having pretty decent success with that. I think a lot of it is timing and the amount of pressure. The guys that have used an HPPD like a Callisto or a Lotus and had good grass control have mainly used the pre's also, so they just had a blade of grass here and there. That's where we've had the best luck with those. So I would much rather see a full rate of a Group 15 down and Roundup post-emerge if possible. Yep, and the Roundup is the big key. Roundup is very good on crabgrass, but it's not as good on crabgrass as it is in the foxtail. So you can't run with some super crazy low cut rate of Roundup or anything. Just make sure you're using a good rate of Roundup, court to Roundup or something, and you should be fine. And yeah, I'm with Darren. I'd like to use that full rate of Group 15. It's just not perfect. So something to help it out post-emerge will definitely be good. All right, we got some online conversation about alfalfa weed control. Mark is wondering about how do you incorporate Eptam? What types of tools do you use? And uh, also Typically Thaddeus, field cultivator. Thaddeus kind of kicked in and said, what are you guys doing with kochia now that Raptor just doesn't do a thing on it? Yeah, and the reason why Raptor won't work is it's an ALS. It's the same basic thing as as Pursuit. So there there isn't much you can do about kochia other than buckteril and a little bit of butyrac in alfalfa, and so it, it's hard. But pre-emerge, we like starting out with Eptam. On our farm, we're running four and a half pints of Eptam, and we're incorporating it with Field Cultivator. Now, could you incorporate it with a disc? Yes. There are only two products that I'm comfortable incorporating with a disc, Eptam and trifluralin. And the well, I better throw Sonalan in too. Uh, and the reason why is those things become a gas in the soil. Eptam, trifluralin, and Sonalan, so they can move back up. So I don't mind if you bury them a little bit. We don't want to go overboard, but you could technically disc them in and then field cultivate. Otherwise, we've just been running field cultivator. All right, one update to our uh, Ag PhD GDU app or Growing Degree Unit app. We're updating that right now with a new weather source. Hope to have that new update out very, very soon. Thanks for listening to our program today. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.